It's great to see you today, and a warm welcome from me as well, particularly if you're, uh, it's your first time here today or you've just started coming recently. It's wonderful to see so many people connecting into church at this time, and it's a really exciting time to be joining the church, and we look forward to hearing your story, and um, that's true for you as well if you're joining us online. It might be you've just stumbled across this on YouTube, but you might have been watching for a couple of weeks, and it's great to welcome you to our church, and we hope very much we'll have a chance to meet you in person very soon. I want to speak today about why we worship, why we worship. And to worship is to recognize the beauty, the value, the worth of something or someone, and to respond to it with love, celebration, and honor. To give someone who is worthy what they are worth. Kind of give them the adoration that they are due. And actually, we're hardwired to worship. You've been made to want to worship something. Worship is in your DNA. The desire to worship something is in your DNA. Everyone, ultimately in life, ends up worshipping something. So it might be a person, or a famous person, or a partner, or someone who you'd very much long to be your partner. Or it might be a career or some kind of goal in your career, and some kind of success that you've set your heart on. It might be wealth, or health, or even ourselves. You don't get to decide if you will worship something. The decision you have to make is what or who you are going to spend your life worshipping. And we know there is one who is worthy of all our honour and glory and praise. And to worship God is going to involve the whole of our lives, Our voices, our bodies, our imagination, our work, our creativity, our relationships, our obedience, our whole being, and all of our lives. But when so many things are competing for our attention, when the brightest people in the world have limitless resources to try and draw our energies and our attentions towards their product or into their app, or into this, or into that. How do we kind of work out, how do we rediscover how to focus our attention on what really matters? When it's been hard, and we've had the year and a half that we've had, and we maybe feel a bit battered and a bit bruised, and it feels like even the act of worshipping in and of itself has been a bit contested, how do we focus our hearts, our minds, and our whole lives again on the one who is worthy of all our worship. Well, that's where this psalm is so, so helpful. And the first thing we see in the psalm is the importance of reminding your heart what God does for you. It's really interesting in the psalm. David writes the psalm and he's completely focused on God, what he's done and who he is. Unlike some of his psalms, David doesn't mention his battles, he doesn't mention his troubles, he doesn't mention his successes, he doesn't mention his failures. Yet the psalm is addressed to David's own soul. It's a song of worship about God, yet David sings it to his own heart. And your heart needs just as much coaching and encouragement as the rest of you, as anyone else in your life. It's so important to listen to your heart. And lots of the psalms are like the overflow of the heart. They're the overflow of concerns and worries and fears and emotions. And every emotion you feel in life can be turned into a prayer. 
can be brought to God. It's so important to listen to your heart and for your heart to overflow in prayer. But if you stop there, if you just listen to your heart, it's a bit like a roller coaster. Life is going to be like a roller coaster, particularly at the moment. Like if you're up, you're up. If you're down, you're down. It's like this news update, that update, this variant, that variant, this loosening restrictions, that tightening restrictions. It's like you're going to be up and down like a yo-yo. It's really important to listen to your heart, but you can't just listen to your heart. It's really important to speak to your heart as well, to give your heart a bit of a coaching session, even to preach to your own heart. David says, remind yourself of what God has done for you. And some of the first, the most personal ways we experience who God is, is by how he acts towards us. David says, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, forget not all his blessings. Don't forget his blessings, the way he acts towards you. Don't forget, it's so easy to forget. We've got to remind ourselves. We've got to remind each other of the ways in which God has blessed us. I mean, one thing, if a number of people here today or watching online, you might, you might not have fully encountered Jesus yet. You might not really know if you're in a relationship with God. But if you do, if you've encountered Jesus, if you've placed your trust in him, then that's an amazing, awesome, life-transforming thing that has happened in your life. You have experienced one of the most miraculous blessings in the universe. But it's so easy to forget it. It's so easy to be complacent about it, to think like it's not that big a deal. One of my friends loves asking people how they came to faith, how they came to know Jesus. And he was chatting to this guy once. And they were on a walk, and um, there was a group of them on this walk. And he said, oh, you know, how, how did you come to know Jesus? He said, oh, I don't know, really. And he said, he said, no, no, but I mean, something must happen. He said, yeah, it did, uh, yeah, but it was a long time ago. And, you know. He said, no, but come on, I mean, some, something must happen. There must have been some way in which you encountered Jesus. He said, all right, okay, okay, I'm going to keep asking. You know, I'll tell you. He said, it all happened, oh, it's years ago now, but it all happened. I was, I was going out with this girl, and she suddenly got interested in the church. And so she started wanting to explore faith, which is a bit weird because that hadn't been on the cards when we started going out. And then she started going to church and, and she said, oh, she wanted to really focus on exploring her faith. And so she said, could we have a break? And he was like, what? And so she said, yeah, I just, I just feel like we just need a bit of a break while I focus on my faith. So this guy was like, what has happened? It's not the person I started going out So he came home furious, really upset. Got back to his house, walking around furious, didn't know what to do. And then he saw on like a shelf in his house, this Bible he'd been given at school. So he pulled the Bible off his shelf, put it down on the table, blew the dust off it, opened it up and said, right, let's see what this is all about. So he said, I started reading this Bible. I couldn't understand a word of it. And after about half an hour, I was like, this is so frustrating. So I cried out to the God I didn't believe exists. And I said, God, this is so confusing. Will you just send someone to explain it to me? Went to bed, woke up the next day, forgot all about it, got on the train. He's working in another city. He's on this train. He's reading his newspaper. You know, he managed to get a seat. And, uh, and there's a guy opposite him. He finishes reading the newspaper, puts his newspaper down on the table. He's got one of those little tables in the carriage. And the guy opposite him just says, oh, have you finished your newspaper? The guy's like, yeah. He said, do you mind if I read? No, of course. And they got chatting. And he says to this guy after a while, he says, where are you going? Where are you going? What, what are you doing in this city? He said, 
I don't know, actually. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I don't, I don't know where I'm going. He said, well, are you going to this city or that city or that city? Like, those are the next three cities. He said, I, no, I, I don't know. He said, what do you mean? You don't know where you're going. He said, oh, well, don't judge me. It sounds a bit crazy. He said, what sounds, what, what, what do you mean? He said, well, it does sound ridiculous. And I promise you, I've never done this before. I don't normally do this. But I'm a vicar. And I woke up this morning and I had this sense I had to get on this train. And so I got up the platform and then the carriage pulled in. It's like, that's the train I've got to get on. So he said, God, it's like God told me that there was going to be someone in this train who had some questions about the Christian faith or needed the Christian faith explaining to him. So I thought, I'll get on the train. I'll give it a go. So he said, I've got on this train. I've been on it half an hour. Nothing's happened yet, but I'm really excited to see what happens. The guy is like, and he's so scared and so shocked. He kind of puts the name, doesn't ask the newspaper back, gets up, walks to the end of the carriage, takes a deep breath, and gets off at the next stop. Doesn't say anything to the guy at all. He's so terrified. You know, he's like, gets off the train. He goes, that is extraordinary. And within a week, he's become a Christian. This vicar's still traveling the length of the country. <laughs> he has no idea. Never knew. Like, maybe I misheard. Can't wait to see that conversation in heaven. Shoo, it was you. But it's so funny. A number of years later, he's like, oh, you don't want to hear that story. Oh, no, yeah, nothing really. I don't know how I became a Christian. Oh, I guess that happened. So easy. Whether you've had what you might think to be a really dramatic encounter with God, or it happened in a way, maybe through your parents, and you're not even sure how you actually came to faith, but you know you believe today. It's easy to become complacent about it. But if you have come to know Jesus Christ, you have experienced one of the most extraordinary miracles on the face of the earth. It means a number of things which are amazing and which we should remind ourselves of. It means God actually knows you. He knows you by name. He knows your name. You can remind yourself of that tomorrow morning. God knows my name. God hears me when I cry out to him. God actually cares about me. That matters. And then fourthly, God has actually intervened in the universe on my behalf. In a really dramatic way, he sent Jesus. Jesus has come for you. But also maybe in more subtle ways. That were a big deal at the time, but maybe now you've slightly forgotten about. God has intervened in your universe on your behalf. There's things in your life that God has done for you and we need to remind ourselves of. We need to tell each other about them. We need to ask each other about them. You need to talk to your flatmate about it. You need to talk to your colleague about it. Maybe you need to talk to your kids about it. So actually, this is, this is how it happened. This is why I believe this stuff. This is why we're living here. This is how we felt called by God. This is the difference he's made to my life. It's important we don't forget. You're not here by accident. You've been called by God. You've been drawn by God. You've been sent by God. And David, to help us, lists some of God's blessings, which you can use, we can use to remind ourselves. He says, God forgives. He forgives all your sins. Doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. And there's been, I don't know about you, there's been times in my life when I've been very aware, painfully aware, that I needed to be forgiven. So aware of what a miracle it is that God forgives all my sins. And there's been times in my life where I've become a bit complacent about it. 
this awesome truth that we can know freedom and peace and salvation. And to help us, David uses like spatial categories to describe this spiritual reality. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Because of his great love, as far as the east is from the west, so far he takes his sins from us. Jesus' love is so great that he was willing to pay any price, bear any cost. Give himself. Take your failures and your sins on himself to forgive you. And then not just to forgive you, but to take those sins so far away from you that you're not even associated with them, tainted with them, connected to them in any way. He forgives. He heals. He heals all your diseases. And the word here, it covers kind of both health, what we would call like sickness, and also troubles and adversity. He restores your body. He restores your mind. And we'll pray for healing later in the service today. Jesus heals people today. I've seen it. Jesus heals people today. We pray for everyone who wants to, we pray for them to be healed. Not everyone gets healed, but we see people be healed. And so we're going to keep praying for people to be healed. Sometimes you just get a sense when you're going through a sickness or you're going through a really difficult time, you get a sense, actually, the Lord is helping me in this. I was seriously ill when I was 16 years old. I was in hospital for a number of weeks. Wasn't pretty in all sorts of ways. But just as I started to recover, I had this real sense, just in this hospital ward, that it was God who had helped me to get better. He'd directed the hands of the doctors. He'd given them wisdom about the right treatments. But also, he had actually helped in a really practical, particular way. I had someone once, when I was in excruciating pain, because I'd pulled something in my back, someone placed a hand on my back, just in a quiet moment, just prayed for me. I felt heat go into my back, and within a day, I was completely fine. thought I was going to have to have months of whatever. Now, on, on Thursday night, Beth and I prayed with someone who was sick. Pray for them to be healed. He heals all your diseases. He redeems. He redeems your life from the pit. And that's true in an eternal sense, but it's also true in a very real practical sense. Now, you can't get out of a pit on your own. When you're in a pit, you're stuck. You can't get out. You need someone to help you out. And you might remember there's been times in your life, if you start to think about it, that you've been in a pit. And God has actually helped you get out. And sometimes you need to remind yourself of that. I still remember a case I did when I was a barrister many years ago. And it got under my skin in a way that few cases did. And I would find myself awake at two o'clock in the morning thinking, I don't know how this is going to go. I feel like I'm in a pit. This is a really difficult one. And it felt like the Lord really lifted me out of that pit. He helped me in really practical ways. He crowns you. He crowns you with love and compassion. One of the things I most love about Jesus is how he treats people with unexpected favor. That he doesn't just restore you to where you were before you fell. He restores you. He pulls you out of the pit. That's amazing. That's miraculous. But then he elevates people to a place of honor. You think it's, just, it's miraculous just to be out of the pit and then God crowns you with love and compassion. That's your crown. 
Your crown is his love for you. The source of your greatest status and influence and authority is that you are a much-loved child of the Most High God. We deserve humiliation, and he gives us this coronation, brings you into his royal family, gives you favor you can't explain, and you know you don't deserve. He will open doors and create divine connections. And sometimes you just get a sense of that. You're in a conversation, or you're part of something, or you see someone happen, something happen, or you get a privilege to serve on a team, or to be praying for someone, and you're suddenly aware, well, I'm actually partnering with God in this thing. That's an amazing privilege. Can't believe I get to do it. He crowns you with love and compassion, and then he satisfies you with your desires with good things, so your youth is renewed like eagles. There's nothing wrong with lots of our desires, nothing wrong with them. But desires need to be directed. There's so many things in this life that will claim to satisfy you. But actually, outside of God, very few of them will. They can't in and of themselves. It's like drinking salt water and hoping to sate your thirst. Only the good things that God gives will ultimately satisfy you. And then through them, all sorts of other things are great. He satisfies us with good things. Remember, don't forget his benefits. Remind you of them. This week, why don't you just take 30 minutes, one day this week, pull out a piece of paper, pull out a pen, or pull out the notes app on your phone, whatever it is, and just write a list for as long as you can. See how many you can get to, how many blessings, how many benefits you can list about the difference God's made in your life. Say to someone in your family, can I tell you some of the benefits that I've received? I just want to help. It will help me. I'm an external processor. Just going to externally process to you. Let me tell you about some of the differences he's made. If you want you to, you can even say to your colleague, look, we're doing this thing at church at the moment. I know it sounds weird, but my pastor's asked me, can I just explain to you how I came to faith? Because it's helpful for me. Not for you. Don't I mean, you don't need to know, but just, just, let me, just for me, do me a favor. Listen to it for a second. And see what happens. Don't forget his benefits. Remind yourself of what he's done for you. And then the second thing we see in this passage is the power of remembering who God is. Now David starts with reminding himself how God acts towards us. And then he goes on to remind his soul of God's character. And when you see who God is, what his character is like, then you long to worship him. Revelation always precedes adoration. And the revelation of who God is, his character, as we breathe that in, we breathe out praise. And God's character is consistent with his actions. It's demonstrated in his conduct. It's revealed and disclosed in his word. It's one thing to experience how God acts towards us. He forgives, he heals, he redeems, he restores, he crowns, and he satisfies. It's one thing to experience how God acts towards us. It's another thing, it's another thing entirely, to trust him to do those things, even when your circumstances don't give you any evidence that that's what's happening. Even when your circumstances don't seem to demonstrate it. When you don't feel forgiven, when the healing you hoped for hasn't happened, when life is difficult, when you can't see how it'll improve, when you don't feel like you've actually been crowned, when you just feel a little bit ashamed, 
when the good thing you hoped for hasn't come to pass. There are times we need to remember what God has done, and there are times when we need to remember who God is in spite of the circumstances we face. When you can't see how God is acting, to train your heart to trust his character. Some of those powerful worship you will ever bring to God comes from a place of trust despite your circumstances, not because of your circumstances. To say in the midst of everything you're facing, I'm not going to miss this chance to bring God praise. I can't see how you're working at the moment. It doesn't make sense. I don't have a long list of blessings in my immediate circumstances. I trust your character. I trust what you said in your word. I know you're good. I know you're loving. I know you're faithful. I know you care for me. I know you haven't abandoned me. I know you're not going to let go of me because you've taken hold of me. I know you're for me and not against me. So I can't see it right now, but I'm going to train my heart to trust your character. And I'm getting to know you. I don't know all of you yet. And some of you I'm just uh, starting to meet. But I know some of your stories already. And I see the way that you worship, knowing what you're going through. I see you lift your hands in spite of the circumstances that you're in. And it's moving to see. It's moving to see you worship in the midst of all the things that you're facing. And so what is God's character? Why does David want to train his heart to trust God's character in the midst of it? Well, he's compassionate. He says God's compassionate. The word compassion means to suffer with. God hasn't stood apart from this world with his arms folded, saying, you know, off you go, you make the best of it. Hope it's not too tough. God has entered into this world through Jesus and has suffered for us. And if you know Jesus, you are never alone. He is with you. He is alongside you. By his spirit, he is particularly present in suffering. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. He's with you if it's your first day of school or your first day in a new community or your first day on a new job or you're in the hospital ward and you're getting news that you're not appreciating or you hit a traumatic shock that you weren't expecting. He is right there. He's gracious. That means part of God's character is to show grace and mercy. He's abounding in love. That means there's nothing reluctant or reticent or half-hearted or kind of measured about the love that God shows to us. He's not constrained. But not only is God compassionate and gracious and loving, he is sovereign and eternal. God has made his throne in the heaven and his kingdom rules over all from everlasting to everlasting, David said. His love is with those that fear him. And that makes all the difference in the world. The Lord is sovereign. He rules over all. He doesn't, he doesn't have a throne that's made by humans' hands. He's not subject to the turning tides of power and influence. He is Lord over all. You know, Every other power in our world is going to come and go. Every company, even the ones that seem bigger than nations at the moment, every company will ultimately rise and fall. Every nation 
might be powerful for a time, but will then wane. Every ruler will elevate and then fall away. Some of the things we think about as having always been there will be nothing more than the echo of a memory in 50 years' time. Some of the things that dominate public discourse today will be completely forgotten about in 10 years' time. But the Lord is eternal. The Lord reigns forever. It's hard for us to get our heads around because we're dust. You know, we, we, we fade like the flowers of the field. We're here for a relatively short period of time. The days are long sometimes, but the years are very short. If it was like yesterday, I was a student in this city. Life is like a vapor. It flies. But the Lord is eternal. The Lord is sovereign. He reigns forever. I mean, I find that brings great comfort and real clarity. It brings great comfort because it means whatever burden you're facing, whatever challenge you're going through, God, God loves you and he cares for you and he's, he can do something about it. He's got all of eternity to make it up to you. But he's not going to abandon you. He's with you. And he can turn even the most painful in our lives for good and for his glory. He's eternal. That brings real comfort when you're in challenges, but also brings great clarity. I mean, one of the key questions as we've been looking, what are you going to value in your life? What are you going to prioritize? What are you going to worship? Is it going to be things that one day will be washed away by the tide? You fall away like sandcastles at the beach? Or is it going to be the one who sits on the throne, who is eternal, who made you, he loves you, and doesn't just love you today, but promises to love you for all eternity. You know, I find it interesting when you talk about worship because lots of our modern lives is structured like this stuff isn't significant. It's structured like this stuff doesn't really matter. And we can go about in the world and, and think that it's almost not true or it's not as significant as it is. But it's so important that we remind ourselves to worship at this time because there are people around us who just don't know, they can't see. They can't see how glorious God is. They can't see how worthy of all our praise Jesus is. They don't have that lens. And one day they will see. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day gathered around the throne, people from every tribe and tongue and nation will worship together the Lord of hosts. And we will join with them and it will be a sound like nothing you have ever heard in all your days. As we declare, He is holy. He is worthy. He is holy. He is worthy. But from now until then, we have this opportunity in the midst of all the confusions and trials of this world, in the midst of all the ups and downs of this season, to say, we are not going to miss this chance to bring you praise. We're going to join our voices with the voices of all who have gone before us, the millions who have gone before us, the millions who are gathered around his throne today, the angels who are worshipping right now, and we're going to join with them, and we're going to say, we are going to worship you 
in good times, in bad, in joy and in sorrow, when I'm full of hope and I'm near to despair, when life makes sense and when I don't understand it, we are going to worship you because whatever happens, however it looks, whether I'm on my own or whether I'm with millions, I'm going to bring you praise. Why? Because you are worthy of all our praise and adoration and glory and honour. Why? Because you forgive, you heal, you redeem, you crown, you satisfy, you are compassionate, you are gracious, you are abounding in love, you are eternal, you are sovereign, you are Lord. And that changes things. It gives you a freedom in your workplace. It gives you a freedom in your hospital. It gives you a freedom in your university. Because you're not bound to the value system that's around you. You know what really matters. You've encountered the one who is worth it all. And you can use your voice, your life, your obedience, your relationships, your creativity, your work, every aspect of your being to bring him praise. Why don't we stand and we're going to worship him now.